just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From APP.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right. Welcome into another episode of Jersey Jump Shot. Thank you for listening. Season two, episode four is here. Ryan Ross with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. We have a big show planned ahead. Uh, our last show of 2020, we're going to take a little holiday break after this one. We'll talk to you again on January 4th. But before we do that, we have a whole lot to get through. Guys, welcome into another week, college basketball. Let's just start with really what's the main talking point around the world of college basketball right now. It all started this past Tuesday with Mike Krzyzewski from Duke after a loss at home to Illinois. Uh, he, he made headlines really saying that it's time to reassess playing during the pandemic. Uh, the pit coach, uh, Jeff Capel as well, he kind of echoed that. He's a Krzyzewski uh, former assistant there. Uh, he said something doesn't feel right about it. Nate Oates at Alabama took a shot at Coach K, then later apologized. Jim Beheim criticized Oates, uh, said he disagrees with Coach K, but uh, you know he understands what he's saying and, and respects his opinion. John Calipari jumped in, says he disagrees, and says the players are safest at school. Tom Izzo says he's going to do what's best for his team. It's just a whole back and forth all around in college basketball right now. Seems like every coach is chiming in on this. So let's just start. We'll go around the panel here. Jerry, we'll start with you because I know you had some opinions on this. Just your thoughts about uh, what Coach K had to say and, and what you think, you know, what what's the discussion around the college basketball world? First of all, it's it's fair for Coach K to have that opinion. I mean, he you know, he's certainly entitled to his opinion. It's not out of bounds. I mean, these are strange times. There's a lot of scary stuff going on. The pandemic's worsening. So it's not the, the opinion is totally not out of line at all. But the problem is Coach K waits till he loses a game, a second home game, by double figures to espouse it. And, you know, Duke never loses at home. They've now, especially out of conference, I mean, literally almost never loses a home game out of conference. They've now lost two. So suddenly Coach K, you know, wants to reassess the season and, the problem is, and the reason why so many people are up in arms about this was people don't people don't take Coach K seriously that he speaks for college basketball. If someone of that stature says something about the sport, it should be taken seriously as a dean of the sport. But people don't look at Coach K that way. He ceded a lot of that moral high ground because he's done stuff in the past that have been more about Coach K and Duke, what's best for them rather than what's best for the sport. So if Tom Izzo says you know what, we got to reassess this. If Jay Wright says, you know what, we got to reassess this, even if they say it after a loss, people, I think, will take that much more seriously. And it's a shame. You have a dean of the sport. The guy's got five rings. He has Olympic gold medals. He's the most prominent coach in college basketball, maybe one of the most prominent two or three basketball coaches in the world. 
and he says something and half more than half the community doesn't take it seriously. That should tell you how far Coach K's credibility has fallen on this issue. So regardless of what you think of the merits of what he said, and we can debate that, the fact that Coach K has lost credibility is really all you need to know about his status and the way he handles these things. And you know what, Coach K, pick a better time to say this than after a 15-point home loss. Right. I think I think definitely the timing of it and the actual podium is is the real problem here. Starting that conversation is not a bad thing, obviously. And yeah, I think again, a lot of coaches have said this. He just happens to be the most high profile now to say it. But I think again, this all circles back to September and the lack of leadership in the NCAA in kind of picking that arbitrary November 25th date. Well, there's no going back now. I mean, everyone decided they were going to play. We're playing. You're going to have to play now. But I think this goes back to September when those decisions were made, when we didn't have all the information, when no one had really, we were really flying blind at that point. Instead of being a little more flexible on what might happen, I think that's the real problem here. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I totally understand, you know, like what Jerry said, I totally understand where Coach K is coming from. And I, I thought, you know, he certainly made some good points about it. But it, we said this a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. Delaying the season or, or putting a pause to it, we don't know if that's really going to fix anything. We don't know what the situation is going to be like in a couple months. Yes, obviously there's a vaccine coming, but it's not going to change anything probably by the time that the season would really need it to go uninterrupted. So I just don't think that pausing it would really accomplish a whole lot. I think that you need to start as as they did. You start early. You try and get as much done as you can. You have a big time frame. You might have to push things back because of all the cancellations and postponements eventually. But you need as much time to work as possible. So I agree. I, I know where Coach K is coming from, but the timing was not good. Um, and believe it or not, I actually agreed with what Jim Beheim said. So that's that's a first. And here, here's what Steve Peichel and Kevin Willard, you know, New Jersey high major coaches, have said about this. And they've said the same thing both privately and in public. Uh, and that is, this is what's best for the mental health of our players is, is playing basketball. Like they, these kids want to play games. Like they're going to be, you know, they're going to be going to school online, not interacting with people, you know, just working out alone that, you know, basically in isolation, that's not what's best for an 18, 19, 20 year old when they have the means to test Whereas maybe like the high schools or smaller level of colleges don't, they have the means to test, you know, daily or several times a week. So it's the mental health of the players is being forgotten and they want to play. We should make it an opportunity for them to play if we can. And the feeling is to this point that it's a safe opportunity. Now that equation could change at any minute, but you have to understand, you have to not undervalue the mental health aspect of participating in a sport. And I say this also as a parent of an of eight and 10 year olds who are depressed when they're stuck at home, staring at a screen all day. My daughter played soccer in the fall. She does dance once a week. You know, my son does scouts. We try to get them out of the house as much as possible. It's just not good to be inside all the time staring at a screen. So I think they're making, there's an honest point to be made about the mental health of these players. It's a balancing act. And we have to continue to assess that as it go, as things go on. But the fact that so many people are, are shrugging off Coach K is really more of a comment about Coach K's credibility than about the pandemic, in my view. And I do think that the players are really safe in, on campus with their teams. You know, like you said, I mean, the, the protocols are in place. They're getting, you know, that they have access to medical care. I do think that they're safe. A lot of these teams are in their own little bubble. If they follow the pro proper protocols and take all the precautions, I think that they'll be okay or they can be okay. But it's going to it's gonna take a lot of diligence to get it done. 
And that's really the the third wrinkle that's come from this story since it came out last Tuesday, as we said, Coach K, after that loss to Illinois. Uh, to defend Coach K, something I never thought I'd do, he did acknowledge <laughs> in that same breath that he just got his butt beat by Illinois, and he acknowledged that, and he kind of recognized, you know, the optics of what he was saying versus his team losing. Uh, part of the support that Jim Beheim, who is a friend of his, gave said that this has been his message since September that, you know, what are we doing? We need to take a look at this. So, yeah, but uh, if it was his message since September, then why did he propose this cockamamie? Everybody <laughs> gets into the NCAA tournament thing instead of instead of pushing that garbage on everybody. Why does the coach K just say, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't play. But no, he's he's OK. You know, I have second thoughts about playing. But you know what? Let's do a cockamamie everybody in the NCAA tournament. That doesn't qualify to me as saying, should we really be playing this? No, that's not that's not the same. So Coach K talks out both sides of his mouth here. If Coach K was 4-0, if he beat Illinois by 15, would he have said that? Would he really have said that? Do you believe in your heart of hearts he would have said that? Most people would say no. Regardless of the merits, most people would say no. And that's that's where the second controversy came from when the, the head coach at Alabama kind of wandered out loud uh, during a press conference. That exact thought, Jerry. Would Coach K be saying this if he hadn't been losing games, if he was 4-0? Would his message be different? Here he is, uh, two and two, lo- losing two games at home. Uh, would he be saying that? And he did go back and apologize later, and he got some criticism from other coaches around college basketball for his comments. And you and know now- what? A lot of other coaches, Ryan, a lot of other coaches were nodding their heads in agreement. And I can tell you, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there were a lot of coaches texting him and saying, "Right on." <laughs> yeah. God forbid anybody criticizes Coach K. God forbid another coach says anything against him. You can't do that. Yeah, that's what it is. And and now the third angle to this, and I'm glad you mentioned the mental health aspect of it, Jerry, because now Coach K uh, canceling the out-of-conference schedule for Duke, yeah, he plans to have his kids, his players, uh, have the opportunity to go home for the holidays, for Christmas, and he argued it's it's the mental health aspect of having them go home and having them have, uh, you know, the holidays to the to themselves and to their families. That uh, you know, this is part of the angle of canceling these games. This has, of course, provoked other uh, responses from coaches. Uh, John Calipari says that he believes the co- the players are safest while they're at school. So, I mean, you argue, you know, is it a mental health thing? You send them home, but by sending them home, are you putting them at risk? So that's just a whole other angle that this story is taking. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a tough one. You know, it's it's a it's a balancing act. I'm not going to say one way or another if he's doing the right or wrong thing by sending them home. What I will say is it's funny that he got religion, so to speak, after they went two and two and got their butts kicked at home and then sent his kids home for Christmas. He could have said that the week before, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just funny that he got religion all of a sudden after they lost by 15. And, and it's, it's a debate that, you know, isn't going anywhere. And, and you know, Coach K – kind of started it this past week and every head coach has shared their opinion for the most part. And it's, it's something that of course we'll continue to see and who knows the right answer. You know, it's, it's, it's a time where there's a lot of uncertainty. There's no blueprint of how to navigate this. So there's going to be coaches that are going to be sharing opinions and some might turn out to be right as time goes by. Some might turn out to be very wrong, but there's definitely no correct answer at the moment. So we're going to kind of have this back and forth debate. It seems like all season, uh, another you know newsworthy event that came out this past week, of course, down at Florida, a, a scary situation there. Uh, Jerry, I know you've been talking about this as well. What's going on there? All right, so Keontae Johnson, fo- player for Florida, uh, collapsed on the court during a game against Florida State. 
had to be stretched off. The last update everybody had was he was in critical but stable condition in the hospital. This came out yesterday. Uh, th- that happened on Saturday. The, the Sunday was a day where, you know, the last update as of this as of this uh, podcast taping, uh, critical but stable condition. There's not really much word on what exactly went wrong. And so we really have to wait and see. But the Associated Press and other media outlets close to the situation reported that he was a player who tested positive for the coronavirus during Florida's uh, preseason pause uh, when they, you know, the team had positive tests. So does, did COVID-19 impact his collapse on the court? I mean, we don't know. We'll probably find out. And, you know, if the answer is definitively yes, then this is going to have potentially a major impact on college basketball moving forward. If it's no, he had a heart condition, uh, you know, similar to Hank Gathers, he was born with it. That could be a different story, but we just don't know. So it, it, you don't want to speculate, of course, but it, 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 the, the truth is that everyone's kind of waiting, first of all, hoping the young man pulls through okay. That's the no, most important thing. And secondly, that to see what exactly caused this. And is that something that's going to influence how we proceed with this college basketball season? Yeah, it, it's something to keep in mind. Of course, like you said, Jerry, first and foremost, you hope he's okay. But there have been players who have sat out this season, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, what have you, and uh, you know, players with underlying conditions who have chosen just not to take the risk. So it's certainly you know another angle to this crazy season, to this scary season of what's going on. But uh, of course, first and foremost, you hope that the the player down there in Florida is okay. Um, locally here, we'll get into our chat about Rutgers. Uh, Jerry, they're kind of on the front door of history, I guess you could say, in terms of their ranking. They have a win over Syracuse this past week. Uh, they have Maryland tonight, Monday night, and kind of that weird schedule. They have almost a week off in between these games, uh, but Rutgers right now potentially in the top 20. It looks really good dispatching Syracuse at home without Geo Baker. Syracuse also was down two starters, it should be noted. But then, you know, Syracuse, uh, you know, turns around and throttles Virginia Tech, um, uh, who Syracuse posts a big win. So they looked obviously very, obviously Syracuse is legit, a legit team. Um, what I would say to, uh, to, to Rutgers fans is this is the time for you to get on board because Rutgers is ranked, is going to be ranked in the top 20 for the first time since 1979. Um, you know, I have them 18th in today's AP poll. They're 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 going to move up from 21st into the teens. They're going to probably be ahead of Duke. How about that? Rutgers ahead of Duke in the rankings, uh, and so they go into Maryland tonight. Now, listen, they've they've only won at Maryland once. It was in like 1940s. It's been you know 80 years since they've won at Maryland. Okay, they don't play there a ton, but they have never won there since they joined the Big Ten, and um, that's that's. Um, Something to look for tonight. I think they they will be strong favorite tonight. Uh, Geo Baker is supposed to return uh, to action. He's dressing for the game. He's practiced over the weekend. And, you know, I don't think he'll play a ton, but his presence should make a big difference. So, look, Maryland's not great. They're good. They're decent. Rutgers is better than Maryland. I don't know why Maryland's favored in the point spread in this game. There's no crowd at the Xfinity Center, which is a tough place to play. It's a neutral court. You know, it's a bus trip for Rutgers, so I don't think that's going to make a difference. So Rutgers can really take a big step toward getting off to a great start in this Big Ten schedule and showing everybody they do belong in the top 20 by taking care of business against Maryland tonight. And whoever would have thought I used the phrase Rutgers taking care of business at Maryland, but that's where we're at. And I'm glad you mentioned that betting line, Jerry, because uh, that's something that 
sometimes is referred to as a rat line. Uh, Rutgers getting points on the road as a team that is ranked against an unranked team. So, you know, the thought is, oh, wow, Rutgers is getting points. How am I not going to bet on them? And then, you know, the opposite happens because that's how Las Vegas makes money. We'll see on that, of course. They're not always right. But uh, Chris, two Rutgers traveling down there, uh, maybe taking a book out of the football team after they beat Maryland this past week in overtime. Uh, what are we looking for in that game? Sorry, boys. It was it was Boston College that Syracuse throttled by uh, 38 points. I said Virginia Tech. That was that was a different game, different team beat Virginia Tech. Uh, I was Boston College. They won by they won by 38 points. So I mean that's impressive coming off a of, you know, good sign for Rutgers what they did at Syracuse. Sorry, Chris. No, it's a, it was a good point. Um, no, Ron, I, I I think you know obviously Rutgers is going for the sweep. You know, get the football win and now try and get the basketball win. I, I like Rutgers in this game. I agree with Jerry. I think that they'll they'll take it. Um, I do think that obviously getting Geo back for any time would be huge. They do need to shoot the ball better, both from the perimeter and from the free throw line. Those two things need to happen, uh, not just tonight, but also as they continue this you know Big Ten gauntlet. Um, but I do like I, I just like what, what we've seen so far from from Rutgers with you know Miles Johnson, Cliff Omarui. I, I think that these guys are playing really well. So I'm going to say that Rutgers will go down to Maryland and, and do what they have to do to get the win. And then this schedule we've been talking about with Rutgers, they play last Tuesday, they beat Syracuse. They have Maryland tonight, Monday night. Then they have another, what, six days off before Illinois on Sunday. Obviously, a huge game against a very good Illinois team. And then this schedule, it, it really is a gauntlet. You have number 22, Ohio State. You have Purdue. And then number three, Iowa, bringing us into 2021. Uh, certainly not going to get easier for the Scarlet Knights. And then we've been just kind of comparing and contrasting against the Seton Hall schedule, where Seton Hall seems to be playing every three days, and Rutgers has these weak layoffs. Uh, is that something that's going to hurt or help them as they really get into the meat of this schedule? So Steve Peichel's made it pretty clear he's not going to schedule any more non-conference games unless they have a long break in the schedule due to COVID pauses by other schools. Um, I, who knows? It's you know it's hard to really judge in a pandemic year, all these scheduling uh, differences but I will say for Rutgers, the important, the most important thing is that they don't rush Geo Baker back and play him too much on a on a on an ankle that's not ready, because you know last year he came back with a hand injury, um, he only missed a couple games and then he didn't he didn't shoot right for for a couple weeks, you know two years ago Eugene Omarui uh, came back with a after a dislocated knee after only missing a couple weeks and he couldn't jump, you know he was he was limited. So it's it's really important, it's, and that's why Rutgers shouldn't really schedule a game here probably, is because if Baker's going to play, if they're going to try to weave him back in slowly, this is the undisputed leader of the team, okay? All Big Ten preseason selection. they gotta they got to take it baby steps with him. And if that means more rest in between games, that's what it means. Um, Seton Hall obviously has done things differently, scheduling a lot of games, but now they're going to have a little break in the action because they had their game canceled against Xavier canceled for Tuesday. Yeah, so that game's off Seton Hall this past week with wins over uh, Wagner and St. John's. That Xavier game is no more, but uh, Marquette was on the schedule. Providence, Georgetown, uh, that brings us up until uh, 2021. Uh, the Pirates, uh, a nice win over St. John's. I have to say, that was, that was a good game from start to finish there. Um, and now we have the Big East schedule coming up, which is yet to be determined, I guess. But uh, what's the look ahead now for the Pirates? So, first of all, I think Seton Hall really turned a corner with that win over Penn State. They were down 19 and then roared back to win in overtime. Uh, then they crushed Wagner, which they should, you know, they should be doing. And then they looked really good against St. John's on Friday. I mean, they led that game from start to finish. St. John's nah, never really threatened. Sandro Mamouk Lashvili 
uh, who we, you know, we, we know his name because, hey, he's saying it a lot. <laughs> you get lots of practice with that one. <laughs> this guy is going to be, and Chris, you know better than me, this guy is going to be an NBA draft pick, maybe a first rounder. I mean, he's 6'11". He, he brought the ball up court. He was the point guard against St. John's pressure. He's 6'11". He handles and passes like a point guard, and he shoots threes. Chris, this guy must have NBA written all over him. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. No question about it. Wouldn't shock me at all if he ends up going late in the first round. Um, but, you know, then again, I was shocked that Miles Powell didn't get drafted. So who knows? But I do think that, you know, he, he's got he's got absolutely NBA potential. No question. Chris, is Powell, is he is he going to make the team or is he going to wind up in the G League? I think he's going to end up in the G League. I think at this point, because the, the Knicks are kind of maxed out with their 15 spots. So I think Powell's uh, going to be in the G League, which is I think will be good for him. He can continue to develop down there and can you know, continue to show what he can do. But I think that's probably almost, you know, most likely where he's going to end up. So so back to Seton Hall. I feel like they turned a the corner. They're four and three. They're playing pretty good basketball right now. And uh, they get a break, which they haven't had after all these games. They get a little rest before they go to Marquette Thursday night, which is a, a place that's been tough for them. And Marquette's pretty good this year, even though they lost a lot from last year, like Seton Hall. I'm sure it'll be a really good game. And then they're home against Providence and Georgetown. So, I mean, those are games where they'll probably be favored. Definitely against Georgetown. Uh so Seton Hall has a chance to roll up a nice little start here in league play. And I think they maybe have turned a corner. And they've done this without Bryce Aiken, the point guard. Everyone was expecting to carry the backcourt this year. The Harvard transfer hasn't played with a sprained ankle. And I don't think he's going to play for a few more weeks. I know Kevin Willard mentioned maybe Providence on, you know, on the 20th. But to me, I can totally see Seton Hall holding him out until January, making sure he's right. He has a history of injuries. Kevin Wood has a history of, of slow p- pedaling players back into action who are hurt. And let's face it, they're going to need Bryce Aiken in February and March. They might not need him in December with the way their backcourt's playing. Yeah, I think they're set up, Jerry. I agree. I think they're set up for a nice little run here to get a few conference wins under their belt. Marquette, uh, you know, on the road, that's, you know, never easy to go win on the road, but certainly in this year with no crowds and things like that might be uh, maybe a touch easier. And then Providence and Georgetown at home, those are winnable games. Those are games that Seton Hall, like you said, will be favorite, and it's a good opportunity for them to kind of build some momentum. Uh, it's it's only going to get harder from here on out, but to get those wins under the belt, it, I agree. It started with that Penn State win, and it, it seems like something's just clicked for them recently. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's what happens sometimes. And, you know, we all question Kevin Willard's sanity, in scheduling six games in 12 days. And there's just, I think there's just different ways to slice the pie here, fellas, as far as how to approach this crazy season. Willard does one thing. Steve Peichel does the total opposite. Hardly schedules any games. Both their teams are in roughly the same place right now, you know, looking pretty good as conference play ramps up. And before we get to our mid-majors, uh, some news out of the Seton Hall women's program. Uh, Jerry, I know you've been following this, but the head coach of the women's program uh, testing positive for COVID. So Tony Bazella, you know, he test the, the team had a COVID pause. They had several cases within the team. Tony Bazella is 55 years old. You know, he's in good health otherwise, but you just don't know with this thing. And Tony gets really sick. I mean, he has a fever. He's got a bad cough. He winds up checking into a hospital where he's, you know, he spends a few days in the hospital. Um, he's, he's home now recovering, thankfully, but it's scary. And so I don't know when he's going to rejoin the team. Lauren DeFalco is longtime assistant has, is filling in for him and he's got a good staff that's capable of doing that. But you know, it's scary because Tony was in the hospital and away from his team and now faces a recovery. And so it's just it's it's not just the players like people who say the players, you know, they're 19, they're 20, they bounce back. Well, there's there's coaches and staff who are older around these these young men and women who could really be impacted by this. 
And I think Tony's case is a reminder. And thankfully, Tony's a great guy. He's a good coach. And thankfully, he's doing better. His case is a reminder that there are stakes here with this pandemic. Well, certainly good news to hear that he's he's on the mend. And you're right. You know, it's more than just players and coaches. But if you ever go to a game or if you ever see a practice, it takes a whole lot of people to run a, a Division One college basketball team. So there's a lot of people uh, around each other all the time. And it's it's definitely something worth thinking about. And uh, hopefully coaches is, is on the mend and he makes his recovery. Uh, switching gears to our mid-majors here in New Jersey. I'm going to need your help on this one, Steve Edelson, because this is a mess to try to follow along with. Uh, if I'm getting this right, let's see. Monmouth and NJIT haven't started yet. They're hoping to start. Uh, Monmouth looks like tomorrow, Hofstra and NJIT Saturday with Temple, who also hasn't played. Uh, we had FDU split with Central Connecticut. We had Ryder uh, finally tipping off, it looks like, this weekend. And St. Peter's, the nice sweep of Niagara. Uh, it's kind of all over the map for, for the smaller schools here in New Jersey. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, Mamas women went into a pause over the weekend. Their second pause, the men have been in three pauses. So, honestly, are they going to play tomorrow night against Hofstra? Well, we'll see. That was supposed to be their opening night opponent uh, back on the first night of college basketball. And that got called off hours before tip-off. So we're going to see if, if Monmouth plays. Hopefully they will. Um, but, you know, I think I think in the mid-major, I think really when you look at what St. Peter's is doing right now, they are really going to be a force. I mean, that that is a really good team. They're getting better, you know, to sweep Niagara. You know, Niagara has one of the best players in the league in Marcus Hammond. Um you know, that, that was a big thing for them. And, you know, I think we'll see what happens with Monmouth. If they can come out and look good against Hofstra, they've got St. Peter's this weekend at home. So that will be a big test. But, you know, again, Monmouth is, is a team that's playing their first game tonight. And St. Peter's has played a lot. Uh, so it, it's going to be very tough. And, and these are kind of the inequities you see throughout college basketball right now. You see teams that have had a lot of pauses going against teams that have played five and six games and uh it's a tough tough situation i honestly was talking to this uh, the other day with somebody how do you even judge a coach the, this season you know how do you i mean there's a lot of guys in the last year of their contract or maybe have two years left how how do you really judge a coach on anything that happens this year in terms of you know long term so um mid-major any level so uh, again, New Jersey mid-majors, it's a, it's a, it's tough to figure anything out right now. But uh, the, the teams that are on the court and have gotten some good games in, I think, are in much better shape. Steve, what do the what do the MAC coaches think of the back-to-backs they're playing? Because it caught my attention that they had four of these things, and only one of them was a split over the weekend. It's got to be tough. Oh, it's got to be really tough, you know. And and I think. None of them have really come out that I've heard and, and criticized it. I think most of them understand the situation and, uh, you know, feel like if this is what it's going to take for us at this level, and you see so many mid-major leagues have done this, to get those games in, well, we're going to give it a shot. But uh, certainly, like everything this season, not an ideal situation. It's it's really going to be interesting to see how this affects the conference standings because it is just so difficult to beat a team back-to-back, two games in a row. We saw St. Peter's did it. Um, you can't yeah. imagine that's going to be something that continues the entire season. I mean, look at any sport. Look at you know, the pro basketball, or the NHL, baseball. When teams play each other two days in a row at the same place, back-to-back, uh, it's very rare you see the same team win both games at any level, and that's what these teams are going to be up against this year. 
Well, and by the same token, if you do get that sweep, it is a huge, huge boost for your team. You know, it, it really is. And, and if you get swept, you know, you're not, you, you got swept and now you got another week before you play again to think about huh. that. You know, it's a, it's a tough situation. Interesting. And we have FDU uh, bringing us into the New Year's St. Francis, Drexel, and Fairfield. And then they actually have a break until January 7th. Monmouth finally hosting Hofstra. Then, of course, St. Peter's, two this weekend. And then two against Siena to start the new year. Uh, St. Peter's, of course, Monmouth, St. Francis, and Canisius. NJIT with Temple. Ryder, they have two against Vermont and two against UMass Lowell. And Ryder, they have two against Iona this weekend, NJIT, Coppin State, and two against Fairfield, uh, bringing us into the new year. Of course, all this pending. We know that with the the schedule going on this year. Uh, What we do know about the schedule is we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to take a little holiday break. We will be back on January 4th. So we're looking forward to seeing you then and talking to you then in the new year. Uh, Before we get to that, guys, let's quickly go around. What are some things that uh, our listeners can read uh, in the next week or two? So I'll have, you know, coverage of the Maryland game and then uh, I'll have some Rutgers, Maryland and then coverage of Seton Hall, Marquette, uh, you know, coming up uh, on Thursday. And then probably a couple of uh, little features I'm working on, uh, potential human interest stories heading into the holidays. I don't want to tip anybody's hand, but uh, I do have a couple of things up my sleeve about some of the things some of these athletes do off the court that are worth highlighting. Well, I, I'm going to have certainly uh, some coverage of the Monmouth Hofstra game. Hopefully, we're going to play that in St. Peter's this weekend, and uh, a few other mid-major things, and uh, uh, in the in the works this week as well. Hey, once again, I'm still on football, so I'll be having that for another week as, as Rutgers tries to beat Nebraska and get four big time Big Ten wins for the first time since joining the conference. But then after that, it's all basketball. So. Uh, we're, we're, we're roping Chris into hoops very soon. Exactly. This is, the, this is the last week that I'll say I'm still on football. So looking forward to getting started on uh, getting some basketball games in. You've been pulling double duty this whole time, of course. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, uh, Rutgers football, they wrap up the season, like you said, and, and a little bit of history there for the, the Scarlet Knights. They're able to win over Nebraska in the Big Ten. And then it's on to basketball for Mr. Chris Heisman. Uh, thank you all for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. As we said, we'll be back on january 4th so we will talk to you in the new year enjoy the holidays be safe enjoy yourself have some fun watch some great college basketball and when we come back in 2021 we'll be ready to talk about it we will talk to you next time on january 4th for jerry for chris for steve i'm ryan thank you for listening enjoy the holidays talk to you soon Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.